Good morning and welcome to this hour of worship here at Memorial United Methodist Church. If you're a visitor here today, we hope you feel the warmth of our love and feel the fact that we're glad you're here and we'll be very happy if you come back on the many future occasions to worship with us. Uh, the only announcement that we have for today is a reminder to folks about the upcoming Bible school in early June, the, the announcements in the bulletin. Um, and we ask you to get signed up with your children for that as we uh, celebrate Bible school. And I think, uh, did you want to wait and do it later or you want to do this now? Later, okay. Uh, Katie, will, when she comes for something else, we'll have another announcement to make uh, uh, regarding some other things that have happened this weekend. By the way, the Holtz have moved into a neighborhood where all the street names bear the names of famous racehorses. I'm scared to death they're gonna have to name one, I'll have another. Because <laughs> isn't that horse like one race away from winning a right to a street named after him? So we'll see. But it is good to see all of you here today and uh, let us now begin our time together in worship.
The Lord is risen. The Lord is risen indeed.
Our affirmation of faith is the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, and stood at the right hand of God the Father From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the union of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of life, and the life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please. This time we invite the children to come forward and join us and join Carol Scudder for a few moments of sharing. to try to solve a maze, like on paper, like this kind? Have you ever tried to do one of those? Have you ever um, gone through a maze? Like um, we've been on field trips before with school and they had mazes made out of hay, had bales of hay built up. Have you ever gone through one of those? You have? Uh, what do you have to do when you're going through one of those? How do you have to solve the problem of getting to the end? You? Follow someone that maybe knows where they're going? Okay. What if you make a wrong turn? Dead end. It's a dead end and you have to turn around and go back? Okay. And on the paper mazes you have the same kind of thing, right? You can't cross any lines and um, you have to stay within the white space and if you do come to a dead end you have to turn around, right? Sometimes people want to plan it out and try it with their finger first so they don't make any mistakes on the paper that, that they have to erase. All right. Well, our Bible verse that ties in with a maze um, came from Jesus talking to God, and he said, um, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. So he's talking to God, and he's saying, I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. And that's from John 17, 11. So we have different kinds of problems that are different than the mazes in our lives, um, even though we know that God is part of our life and, and Jesus is part of our life. Um, and finding our way can be a lot like finding our way through the maze. We have to make decisions, and sometimes it's difficult to know which way to go. We may choose the wrong path and end up at a dead end, right? And when that happens, we have to go back and start over again, even in our life. It isn't easy and it can be frustrating, 
when we don't know which way to turn. Yes. Jesus knew that life in this world would be difficult. That's why he prayed for his disciples when he knew that the time had come for him to leave the world. I will remain in the world no longer, he prayed, but they are still in the world. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe. No one was lost. But now I'm coming to you, and I ask you to protect them and keep them safe. How do we find our way in this world? Who do we put our trust in? God and Jesus. And if we trust our Heavenly Father to show us the way, He will. We have His Word and the Bible to help us. Anytime we don't know which way to turn, we can talk to Him in prayer and ask Him to guide and protect us. It may not be easy, but with God leading the way, we know that we will not get lost. Okay, let's pray. Father, we search for the path that will lead us safely through this world. We place our trust in you and ask for your guidance and protection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. first scripture lesson today is from the book of Acts chapter 1 verses 15 through 17 and then 21 through 26. In those days Peter stood up among the believers a group numbering about 120 and said brothers the scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and he shared in this ministry with the reward. Oh, let's skip down to verse 21 now. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us for one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they proposed two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the eleven apostles. Here ends the lesson. At this time, we are privileged to share in a number of baptisms. Uh, Samuel Wilson Evansek, Lindsey Ryan Stanton, and Lucy Lennon, uh, Lenny Evansek, as well as their father, Michael uh, Leonard, or Leonard Michael, excuse me, invite these folks to come forward now to join me and 
other family members that wish to stand with them are invited as well. Delighted to have these folks. Um, now, Beth Ann uh, was raised uh, in a sister denomination of ours, and we certainly recognize that membership as she comes to join us. Uh, now, you go by Michael? You go by Lenny, okay. Uh, is joining us this morning by profession of faith and will be baptized in, along with the twins. Oh, my goodness, double trouble. I, <laughs> I tell you, my little girl didn't sleep, and somebody asked me one time, what would you do if, they, if she'd been born twins? And I said, I think I would have had to, you know, freeze one for later on or something. But uh, anyway, and we're also very thankful for the Stantons. And a little girl added uh, a rose among the thorns uh, to celebrate. Did anyone else want to come stand with you? Thank you. Welcome to. Well, let's, um, let's, if we would, uh, turn to page 44 for your response in a few moments. Um, I'd like to start with Lenny, if I could. That's okay, you can bring um, Simply a question to ask you. Um, do you truly and earnestly repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? If so, will you say, I do? Um, do you desire to be baptized in this faith? If you do, would you say, I do? Will you then follow God's holy will and commandments and walk in the same all the days of your life? Will you say, I will by God's help? That's great. If you would kneel right there. We'll call you by your full name. Okay? Leonard Michael, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, if uh, you'd stand and, and come here with the children. Dearly beloved, baptism is an outward and visible sign of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which grace we become partakers of his righteousness and heirs of life eternal. Those receiving the sacrament are thereby marked as Christian disciples and initiated into the fellowship of Christ's holy church. Our Lord has expressly given to little children among the people of God a uh, place among the people of God, which holy privilege must not be denied them. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he said, Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Beloved, do you, in presenting these children for holy baptism, confess your faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? If so, would you say, we do? Do you therefore accept as your bounden duty and privilege to live before these children lives that become the gospel to exercise all godly care that they be brought up in the Christian faith and that they be taught the holy scriptures and that they learn to give reverent attendance upon the private and public worship of God if so you say we do will you endeavor to keep this child these children under the ministry and guidance of the church until they by the power of God shall accept for themselves the gifts of salvation and be confirmed as full and responsible members of Christ's holy church, holy church, will you say, we will? Who wants first? Come on up here. 
Good thing. We'll, uh, is, I, I wish I could hold all three at the same time. Samuel Wilson, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray together. Lord, we thank you for these children. These gifts from your hands to these families. We pray that as they grow in years, they may also grow in the understanding of the depth of The grace you've already offered them through Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. In whose name we pray. Amen. Members of the household of faith, I commend you your life to hear these children who this day recognized as members of the family of God. Will you endeavor so live that these children may grow in the knowledge and love of God through our Savior, Jesus Christ? This time, let me call on Katie to come help us with recognition of graduates as well as some other things to be uh, recognized today. Don't know where you want to start. That maybe? Okay, now get these up while you're doing that. Before we do the senior recognitions, I just wanted to say a thank you to my mission kids for the great work they did with Relay for Life. If any of them are here and want to stand up, I would love for the congregation to join me in thanking them for their hard work. <laughs> Relay for Life was this past Friday night, and we won a great award while we were there we were voted the best campsite, so that was a lot of fun. 
So I'm proud of my mission kids, and I appreciate the church for supporting us um, in that mission project. And now we're going to do our senior recognitions. We'll start with our high school graduates. And as I call your name um, and share your plans for the upcoming year, if you want to walk forward to receive your gift, we have picked out some special books um, of prayers and scripture that we hope will be useful and helpful to you and help you to know that your church is praying for you um, during this special time in your life. Um, and then we'll hold our applause for everyone until I have all the graduates up here. Um, I'm going to start with Emily Brooks, who is heading to Duke University as a double major in neuroscience and Spanish. So we are very proud of you, Emily. Congratulations. Next is Olivia Haney. She is heading to USC Upstate next year, where she is going to study early childhood education. Reese Hannon is next, and he is graduating as the Salutatorian at Greer High School, and he is on his way to Furman University with a full football scholarship. So, Reese, congratulations. That is a great accomplishment. Um, he is going to major in communication studies and religion at Furman. Um, Luke Howell is next. Luke is going to the University of South Carolina next year, and he is going to be a public health major. And I think I have it right that you want to be a physical therapist, Luke? Is that what you're thinking? Okay. Stephen Kiff. He is graduating in the top five of his class, um, which is a great honor. We are proud of you. Congratulations. And he is heading to Clemson University and majoring in engineering. Emily Morris is also <clears throat> heading to the University of South Carolina next year, and she is going to major in nursing. Next is Patrick Simmons. Patrick is heading to the University of South Carolina also. And Patrick is an undecided major at this point, but I think he is rooming with Luke, right? So Patrick and Luke will be together at USC. And then Sarah Strickland. You don't have far to walk, Sarah. Sarah, that's right. Come on around. Sarah is going to provide our music for us later this morning. And she is heading to the College of Charleston Honors College next year. And you're going to be English or History major, right? Yep. Undecided. Undecided. That's, that sounds great. Um, so these are our high school graduates. We are very proud of you. Um, we, we do have one high school graduate that is not with us this morning, but I did want to recognize her. Anna Kate Hemphill is graduating from Riverside and I believe heading to Greenville Tech next year. So congratulations to all of you. Thank you so much. I think we only have one of our three college graduates with us this morning, um, but Aaron Lewis um, graduated from Emory University on May the 14th with a Doctor of Physical Therapy degree. Um, she is relocating to Greer. I think she is moving today, um, and that's why she was not able to be here, moving home from Atlanta today. Um, and she is going to work at SSI um, as a physical therapist there, um, and she is going to be married here at Memorial next April. Um, so congratulations to Aaron. Luke Hannon is next, and he is here with us this morning. He graduated with honors from Clemson University on May the 11th. Congratulations, Luke. He had a biological science degree, um, and you are heading to pharmacy school at the University of South Carolina in August. 
And last on my list is Daniel Smith. He graduated um, with honors from Clemson this past fall with a Bachelor of Science degree in graphic communications and a minor in packaging science. Um, and he lives in Virginia now, so that's why he was not able to be with us this morning. But we are proud of all these graduates and their accomplishments. Thank you. So Patrick and Luke are going to room together. I know, Patrick and, uh, yeah, Luke, that's right, that's right, I get it right. That will be interesting. I'll have to go down and make a visit. <laughs> they do have classes that meet during the week, guys. <laughs> Here now our epistle reading from First uh, John chapter 5, uh, 9 through 13. We accept man's testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he's given about his son. Anyone who believes in the son of God has this testimony in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made, anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together for a time in prayer. <clears throat> Creating God, we give you thanks for all that we see that your hands have made. As we look at little infants that you have recently made, we pause to give you thanks for the wonderful plan that you designed to be the creator who continues sending new life here to earth, using us as your partners in all that you do, and we're thankful for that. And Lord, we marvel at how quickly little ones grow up, learning to read and write, and later to have accomplished enough to be given diplomas of graduation from high school and college, ready to go out into the world to be your creative hands of blessing in this century, in this decade. Again, we marvel at the goodness of your plan. And we thank you the way you have made us with the ability to grow and learn and discover things about life and ourselves that we might be a blessing in your hands to others on this planet. We pray that you would always remind our graduates that they are here for a purpose, for a reason, and that reason is to be found following your will and way in life. Give them light to guide their ways. Help them to know what you would have them do. For all the gifts and talents you've given, we give you thanks. And Lord, we give you thanks also that as we advance in years and approach a time of retirement and rest, that you're there also, and that your plan for our lives continues and your desire to use us as your instruments in the world continues even as long as we live. And we pray your blessings upon us as well. And Lord, thank you that you have given us Jesus Christ, that through faith in his name we might know that we belong to you and that we have eternal life now. For it is in his name we pray, as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now worship God by giving.
Carol Scudder read a good part of the gospel lesson earlier, and I'm going to let that suffice. It is a beautiful prayer from Jesus. But the scripture that the sermon is based on was the epistle lesson that I read uh, earlier today from 1 John. A Bible study group was discussing scriptures that have meant the most to them over the years of their lives, especially during times of, of troubles. One man said that his favorite verse was grin and bear it, but he wasn't sure where that verse was in the Bible. A woman in the group said that when troubles come along, she always remembers Luke chapter 2, verse 1, which says, and it came to pass, because most troubles do come to pass. Certain verses do mean more to us than others because they came along at a time when we needed direction and comfort. 1 John 5:13 is such a verse in my life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Let me tell you why this is my verse. I went to church almost every Sunday of my childhood. Not many, almost everyone. Mom and Dad were teachers and leaders in the Sunday school division, and so I was uh, taken along with them. It was just something that we all did together as a family, and I thought everybody went to church every Sunday. We polished our shoes every Saturday night while watching Gunsmoke, and then we ironed our clothes to wear the next day. So between home and Sunday school and preaching, as we called it, I got a rather thorough religious education growing up. I can still remember some of the ideas from the sermons, although I can't tell you which preacher said what. One of the preachers, drawing some insight from John Calvin, told us once that Christians should be so concerned about working to build the kingdom of God on earth that we didn't even think about whether or not we were going to be going to heaven one day. Then it was said that we shouldn't be real quick to judge others, nor presume too much about our own standing with God, because there would be many surprises in heaven, we were told. Some folks will be there that we never expected would make it, and some folks that we expected to see there won't be there. Now, I always understood that Jesus had died for my sins and that God was love, but that did not mean that my eternal destiny was a done deal. Christian conduct in daily life was emphasized and expected, and somehow that played a part, I was told, in my eternal reward. I understood that free will meant that I could choose each and every day whether or not I would be a follower of Christ. And that like Judas, I could decide to, de to desert the ship and suffer the consequences if I so chose at any time. Wesley had had a lot of trouble with the concept of once saved, always saved, because he said some people seem to trust more in their experiences than they trusted in the cross or in Jesus. 
Every now and then in my home church we sang, Help me to watch and pray and on thyself rely. Assured, if I my trust betray, I shall forever die. And I believe that. In my mind, Judgment Day would be a day when my good deeds would be weighed against my bad deeds to see which weighed more. The picture that came into my head was the old Sears across from the Memorial Auditorium in downtown Spartanburg. It's now the county office building, but it was a Sears once upon a time. And you would get some candy. They would put a, something like a quarter of a pound weight on one side of the scale and candy on the other. And when they balanced, you bought the candy. That's how judgment works, I figured. But I sure hoped that my good deeds would outnumber my bad deeds. It wasn't until I attended a youth retreat as an 18-year-old that I remember ever coming across 1 John 5.13. We had divided ourselves into small discussion groups, each one being led by a college student who was just a few years older than I was. Our leader listened to our discussions, and then he simply asked, do you all think that anyone can really be certain that they're going to heaven someday when they die? As usual, I was the first to speak up. I said, no one can know that. And then I added, it's like we're all riding the same bus but you don't know where the bus is going to be when it stops to let you off. You have to wait till then, to the end of the ride. That college student said, Arthur, I want you to read some scripture verses out loud. And he had me read 1 John 5, 11 through 13. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the Son has life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Well, there it was. God wanted us to know for certain where the bus would stop. Now, for me, this was revolutionary, transformative knowledge. God's love for us is so unchangeable. Jesus' sacrifice for us is so complete that we could rest in the finished work of Christ. We could know where we're going. Not because our good outweighed our bad but because God's goodness outweighed everything. On that weight scale that I pictured in my mind, Jesus had put the full weight of his cross down on my side, and the cross far outweighed everything else. Oh, I still had free will that allowed me to decide whether or not to accept God's gift of mercy, but for goodness sake, who wouldn't accept it? Who wouldn't accept God's grace every day? 1 John 5, 13 gave me a whole new 
outlook on life and faith. It is that verse that started me on my adult spiritual pilgrimage that eventually led to me to feel a call to preach. It is therefore my verse. I always knew who the Savior was. I always knew that God was love. But I just didn't know that God wanted to remove all doubts and fears and uncertainties from our lives. But from that day on, I did know that in some way, this was to be my life's work. Whether as a lay person or a minister, to somehow be involved in helping people make this same discovery. I wanted everyone to experience that free, liberating life that I discovered. I wanted everyone to see life as I now saw it. And I want that for you today. What difference does this knowledge make in other people's lives? The Apostle Paul said that this knowledge was so radical that it was like being changed from a slave to being a son or a daughter of the family. A slave, you see, can never rest in peace knowing that his place in the home is secure. He could be sold at any time. But a child always knows where he belongs. A child is free, you see, to think about other things without having to worry about losing his place in the family. In our day, we might compare this analogy to the difference between being an owner of a business or being an employee. An employee never knows for sure if you'll have a job tomorrow, but the owner knows that as long as the business stays open, he or she has a job. The owner can relax and never worry about losing his job and think about more important things. Paul also said that this knowledge was like growing up stopping childhood and entering adulthood. He said that when we were children, we had to be kept under strict rules for our own protection. We lived under the constant threat of our parents' punishment. But a time came when we became mature. Right and wrong was formed into the very fiber of our being. And we did those things which were beneficial to ourselves and others not because we were afraid of our spanking that was to come, but because we were now free to follow love's direction in our lives. My son was home this weekend for a wedding of his college roommate. He's about to be a 27-year-old father, and I didn't have to tell him once this weekend not to bite, not to bite his sister. Used to be a constant rule in the home. When we grow up, we're free from the law to live under the direction of love. When ordained Anglican priest John Wesley finally received assurance and understanding that, that he had eternal life for certain, he said that his heart was strangely warmed. But there was something else that happened to him that was even more amazing. He got energized feet and hands. 
Wesley had just been spinning his wheels. He was so paralyzed by his fears, constantly trying to figure out if his sins were forgiven, that he really wasn't able to minister to anybody else. But with his warmed heart, Wesley suddenly sprang into action. He went everywhere preaching the good news. He established places where the poor could find food and clothing. He started employment agencies to help, help them find work. He organized people into small groups so that they could study the Bible by his methods, Methodist, confessing their struggles with one another and receiving God's mercy. His energized feet established churches on both sides of the Atlantic as people found assurance of salvation through the preaching of John Wesley. It is widely accepted that John Wesley's work so improved the lives of the poor in England that England was spared a bloody civil war. That's the difference this knowledge can make. Southern Baptist pastor Gerald Mann says that he experienced the liberating love of God one time in seminary during a Greek course. He said his professor decided to free the members of his class from their fears about their final grade, which seemed to be stifling their learning. He said to them, I tell you what, if you guys will just put forth your best efforts, I'm going to tell you right now, every one of you has earned an A for the class. And then he invited them to use their newfound freedom from fear of failure as an opportunity to get together and really learn Greek. Gerald Mann said that he learned more Greek that semester than he thought was even possible, all because his mind was liberated from fear so that he could concentrate on the subject of the Greek language. I believe God wants to liberate us from the uncertainty and fear concerning our eternal destiny. Through faith in Christ, God has given us an A grade for our life's work. Now we are free to serve him with a loving and obedient heart. God has given us eternal life. It's a gift. And this life is in his son. That is, it's not something that we've done, but what Christ has done for us. To have this eternal life, you just have to put your faith in the Son of God. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You see, God wants us to know for sure. Amen. Thank you.